0: Planning a mission trip for your group can be really hard, so we created a super simple process to make it easy. Learn more today at blueskymissions.org. You're listening to the Student Ministry Podcast. If you're a youth pastor, small group
1: leader, college pastor, or even a parent, this podcast is for you. Whether you're looking for tools and resources, or encouragement and wisdom, you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome in. I'm Kenny Ortiz and this is the Student Ministry Podcast. Super stoked to have you. Thanks for listening. This is the 11th episode of the podcast and we're going to be dialoguing about one of my absolute favorite topics and that is books, good books, books and good titles of books that we ought to be examining. Um, I really do believe that reading books is a really, really important discipline in the lives of of really any person, but especially anyone who's a leader of leaders. And uh, so I'm going to bring you a couple of the books that we think are really important. Got a great, great interview with a really cool dude. Got a guy by the name of Paul Turner. He's a, a student pastor, as well as Uh, blogger and content producer he does a lot of stuff in terms of producing resources for youth pastors and so uh, I'm really excited to bring you uh, this interview Uh, I really believe reading is really important because I think it both feeds our soul as well as it develops our leadership and so our ability to be better leaders in life and in our ministry is really really important so again excited uh, for this interview Hey, before we get to the interview, a couple of quick bits of business. I know many of you are already subscribed, but if you're listening to this and you are not subscribed to the podcast, uh, make sure you do that as soon as possible. Head on over to whatever app you're familiar with, look up the podcast, hit the subscribe button. It it guarantees that every uh, device or every episode gets delivered directly to your device when you're subscribed. That way, you never miss a single episode of the podcast. And if you don't quite know how to subscribe on an app, that's cool. You can head over to our website. There's a variety of buttons you can click that make it easy. The website is studentministrypodcast.com. And of course, while you're on the website, you can check out a variety of other stuff. I got, got a resources section and you know, a lot of recommended uh, blogs, books, podcasts, things of that nature, in addition to the books that we're going to mention here in this episode. And then there's a few other fun things you can see while you're on the site. Again, it's studentministrypodcast.com. Hey, side note. if you are a uh, if you're a big fan of podcasting in general, I am a serial podcaster. Uh, i am I'm involved in several podcast projects, and so the one that I'm most uh, frequently involved in is my personal podcast, a podcast called Theology for the Rest of Us, and that's a podcast really devoted to answering. Uh, what I call tough questions about God, Bible, and theology. I try to give quick answers. Episodes are typically anywhere from oh, I don't know, 8 to 12 minutes long, 9 to 14 minutes long in that range, but uh but you know I am a preacher, and so I've got plenty of episodes that go way longer than that, as many of you are probably uh, you know familiar with in your own lives, I'm sure. Uh, but I really believe that uh, that podcast is a great resource, so you can check it out personally. And then if you like anything I've got to say there, you can maybe use that as a resource to recommend. You know maybe you've got some people in your life that are asking theology questions, and you can say, hey, check out this episode from this guy Kenny. I think he you know he think he really shared some good thoughts there. Or check out this interview Kenny did on his podcast. You know you can really use the theology for the rest of us. Podcast as a resource in your ministry. At least, at least I hope that that's uh, you know that it's valuable enough so that you can use it as a resource. So check that out. You can find that on any podcasting app, uh, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, whatever. Or you can head over to the website. It's theologyfortherestofus.com. All right, let's get to the interview. Today, I've got to interview a guy by the name of Paul Turner. He is a youth pastor in Alabama, in the Birmingham area. He's also a a guy who runs a a website blog that's really designed to produce resources for uh, youth pastors and people in student ministry, which obviously is near and dear to my heart. One of my biggest desires is to produce lots of great resources to help student ministry pastors. I mean, that's a huge you know, heartbeat of mine, a passion of mine. And so Paul and I are simpatico in that way. And I really, really appreciate it. I think Paul's a really great thinker in a really lot of ways. And I thought some of the things he brought to the table were really good. And so uh, Paul's actually in the middle of doing this, or he was a few weeks ago, doing, the, doing this kind of vlog series, this video blog series of the 31 best books that every youth pastor should read. And so I asked him to come on and dialogue about a handful of them. And so he's gonna give you Six and I'm going to give you six. So we're going to go back and forth. And we're going to give uh, we're going to give you the top twelve books that we think every student ministry pastor ought to be reading and diving into. So without further ado, my interview with Paul Turner. We are on the line with Paul Turner. He is at Pleasant Grove Assembly in the Birmingham, Alabama area. He is also the uh, founder and purveyor at thediscipleproject.net. You're going to hear more about that uh, at the end of the episode. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. How are you feeling today?
0: Man, I am feeling great, man. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Kenneth. I sure do appreciate it.
1: Oh, man, I am a super stoked. Thank you so much for taking time out to invest in our audience, and I'm really excited. I uh, came across you on social media not too long ago and uh, almost immediately thought to myself, I got to reach out to this guy because he's got some really good content that youth workers definitely want to check out. And so, uh, Paul, just give us a give us a twenty second version of of kind of you know what you're doing at Disciple Project and and, and why you're doing it.
0: Well, you know, Kenneth, what I try to do is I help youth workers build uh, long term followers of Jesus. I try to help youth workers see the long view of their work. Their work matters. Their work is valuable. And in the end. Uh You know we're not trying to build great events or even great youth ministries we're trying to build we're trying to build great young people into long term followers of jesus to where they're not uh you know you know that sometimes youth ministry is the best years that kids will ever have uh and then they go to a big church and then suddenly it all falls apart and I think we have to keep uh the long term in view of uh of building these relationships with young people so they can become lifelong followers of jesus
1: come on that is. Uh, that is fantastic. So, uh, you know, I know I've been guilty of that. Uh, and I'm 34, and I've spent most of my adult life in uh, vocational student ministry in one way or another. Uh, but I, you know, I, I've had seasons where I probably my eyes have gotten off of the long term view, and that's so. It's a really good reminder to hear from you. I really appreciate that. Uh, and so, Paul, you know, I've uh, I, you know came across a great piece of content that you've been producing. Uh, tell us about the 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 book the books list that you're working on just kind of tell us what was the genesis of this and what you're doing with that right now.
0: Well, you know, uh, Kenneth, I started doing about a year ago. There's a, um, uh, a young lady named Amy Schmidtauer, and she does something called uh, the Triple S Beta Challenge, and Beta stands for vlogging every day in August and April. And I took that as a challenge uh, for my YouTube channel uh, to say, "Look, what can I do for 30 days that would uh, provide." great content to youth workers uh, that come and visit. And I've done various things. I've done things on personal life. I've done, uh, you know, various different pieces and things like that. And this year I chose, for the month of August, uh, the 31 books that every youth pastor should read. And so I went with that because so many – so many youth workers are, are, I mean, I see it in conversations all the time. What are you reading right now? You know, what what are you, uh, you know, what's on your your book list? And those kind of things. I thought, you know, I'm going to share my book list. And it may not be the, the most popular books, but I think it's every book that every youth pastor should read, no matter where they're at in a phase of uh, of their youth ministry.
1: Man, that's a really, really uh, great point. You know, I, I mean, I've attended many youth conferences, probably just like you have, and and, and or just even in conversations with other guys I know. The conversation comes up pretty regularly, so really, really good. I've had the chance to uh, get a chance to look through most of the uh, – I don't think I've watched every single video that you've done, but I, I most of the ones you've already published I have gone through and watched, and so excited. And then obviously before we start recording, you and I have already been dialoguing yeah. about some of the books on our list. So uh, I thought it would be great to kind of share this with our audience, and so what we're going to do is we're going to give you uh, out there the 12 books that every youth worker ought to read. Paul uh, Paul's going to give you six and I'm going to give you six and I would highly encourage you to seriously consider picking up all 12 of these at some point over the next few months uh, or even if it takes you longer that's okay uh, over the next several years if, if it takes that long but be committed to investing in yourself in terms of your own development through uh, reading great books so uh, Paul take it away give us your number one book that you think every youth pastor every youth leader ought to read.
0: Okay, and Ken, if I can too, I wanna, uh, I'll break it down, I'll give you kind of the, the, the big view here as far as, because I think there's not only just the six books we're going to mention, but I think there's, that we're each going to mention, but I think there's also the six kinds of books. And the six kinds of books are things like deep devotion, uh, motivational books, skill books that help us with our individual things we want to get into, uh, business books, and ministry books. And, uh, you know, as far as the as far as because this is going to be somewhat of an eclectic list here. And and the reason is because uh, when I find myself getting too much into one specific kind of book or genre of book, I find myself very pigeonholed in that area. Uh, But the first book I want to offer is uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And it is a uh, it really, uh, really got me grooving on asking the question why why are we doing the things we're doing and many times we you know it's a book about pitching ideas and getting people to follow those ideas and uh you know a youth pastor has to be able to pitch an idea if they want to try something new if they want to try something risky if they want to try something different they're going to have to pitch it and the reason they're going to have to start with why is because why is the most valuable uh tool they have in convincing others why they should go along with that idea
1: That's really, really good stuff. You know, I, I think there are probably many organizations that don't do that. I know I've been failed. I've failed in that where I haven't asked why. Well, me too. What? What are maybe some of the biggest detriments? Like, uh, you know, over a, over a medium or long term period of time, what are some of the detriments of not asking why?
0: Well, I think if you're not asking why, I think you're I think you're shorting yourself in regards to long-term purpose. I mean, like I said, if you're going to be in ministry for a while, if you're committed to the long haul there, uh, you want to be able to say, well, why does this youth ministry exist? Why are we doing the things we're doing? Because so many times programming looks like, you know, throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks, right? So we have to be able to say, why are we doing these things? We should be doing them on purpose and saying, what is the reason for this? And why are we doing that? And where is that going to lead us? And if we're not asking those questions, I think we're, we're missing the long-term value in asking the question. I think if look, the answers are found in the questions. If we can ask why, why are we doing this, and where will this lead us, uh, and why, and how does this add to the overall value? I think we're I think we're coming out you know far greater than if we don't ask the question.
1: What a great great thought, man! I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm gonna give you my number one book. Yes, and uh, it, in, in similar uh, in similar vein of what you just mentioned. Um, there's a guy that many of us are probably very familiar with who has written probably 45 to maybe more than that books at this point. A guy by the name of John Maxwell, many of us are familiar with. Yeah. Um, uh, but if I'm, with all due respect to John, who I like a lot of his content, um, I feel like some of his books sometimes overlap. Right. A lot of the books are – I mean if you read three or four of them, you've probably read pretty much all of them in terms of the, the content. However, there's a handful of his books that stand out to me as very different than all of the rest. Um, and the one that I think is the best is a book called Thinking for a Change by John Maxwell. Um, it's, it is fantastic. It really covers the ways that people think, that there are a variety of different ways. Um, I think he covers 11 different ways that people actually think and process. And he really talks about how the average leader, by default, we only think one or two different ways in our lives. Um, Maybe if you're a really good leader That's kind of expanded yourself You've got about three different ways That you process or think about things in your life Um, Which means that there's a whole variety of ways To think about things that you are missing out on And there are certain scenarios in life That demand a way of thinking That you may not be necessarily good at And so really purposing On purpose uh, Kind of putting yourself in a position To think about things maybe differently Will allow you to maybe Think critically a little better In addition to that when you're leading a large organization, or even if you just leading a handful of people, understanding how other people think and process is valuable in communicating to them, whether that be in one-on-one or that be in large group settings. And So in the book, he really talks about how to really learn to think differently as well as how to lead people that think differently than you do. Because it really leads to a kind of a more holistic communication style that is more applicable to more amount of people. So it really is, in my opinion, his best book really by far, uh, Thinking for a Change. I really thought it was fantastic.
0: I know. I I often say to myself, you know, that person ought to try thinking for a change. I always, you know, I always say that to, you know, various people.
1: You you know, I I, I feel like that when I work with teenagers quite often. We're not only teenagers. I I probably feel like that with a lot of humans.
0: Um, Yeah, absolutely.
1: And surely people who are close to me probably think that about me. At,
0: uh, uh, agreed. <laughs> agreed.
1: Uh, so give us the next the next type of book and next book on your list.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with uh, The Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning. And the reason I, I mention Brennan Manning uh, for my own life is because, you know, the uh, church can be such a, a toxic place for many people. And church and... Uh, doctrine or dogma or all those things really uh, mess with people and mess with with people's lives and and uh why we see an exodus of people or people leaving the ministry or, or those kind of things and and you know i think the the your greatest asset as a youth worker is your own soul if you got a healthy soul if you have a healthy mind will and emotion if you if you're healthy and spiritually healthy you can produce healthy things you can allow god to move through you in, uh, in great and fantastic ways. Uh, you know, we hinder ourselves when we don't take care of our soul, when we don't have a proper perspective of who God is, who we are to him. Uh, and what Ragamuffin Gospel does, it is, um, you know, it is really a book about grace. It's a book about us being these ragamuffins whom God scoops up by his, you know, supernatural love and says, hey, come on this great journey with me. And Brennan himself You know, faced his own struggles with alcoholism, with uh, I think you know being defrocked as a as a as a monk, and all these various things that he dealt with. And I think he just comes from a place that a lot of youth workers come from. I mean, youth workers can get abused, youth workers can get um, you know treated not so kindly, and uh, and I think it's so important that that youth workers just take care of their soul. There has to be a certain amount of soul books. You know, including obviously the Bible, but there has to be a certain amount of soul books that a youth worker is going to read to take care of their soul uh, and take care of those things. And I, and that's why I think Brendan Manning's Ragamuffin Gospels is a is a sweet spot for me, uh, because I think it's just written so beautifully and written with such compassion as one broken guy uh, to another broken guy.
1: Man, what you just said, Paul, is so fantastic. Um, you know, Br- Brendan Manning. Is, is my one of my favorites, Just for the audience to know, we you, Paul and I didn't confer. We didn't nope. talk about our books, but we. And um, he he is one of my favorite. I mean, anything by him. Uh, Abba's Child, um, is another one he wrote that is, uh, that's great. And, man, it, I I agree with you. If anyone listening to this has not read Ragamuffa Gospel, please put that on your list uh, sooner rather than later. It is well worth your read. And I don't got to talk more about it because Paul, what you just said, you succinctly said it way better than I could. Um, I agree that there's a there's a there's a need for soul books. So fantastic stuff um a book for me that is somewhat uh somewhat similar for me in style um and, and comes from an author that i know you have one of uh you, you have one of his books on uh on your list uh, but i'm gonna give you a different one okay a book called a, a tale of three kings by gene edwards <laughs> and um if anyone out there has not read this man this is. i actually tell people this is my number one favorite book of all time um and, and i read a lot I, I read between 25 and 30 books a year um on top of that, audiobooks and I've I've over the last you know 15 years of my life, or uh, 18 years of my life or so, and there's not a book that really that still ministers to me that way that book does. Um, Gene Edwards has a has a unique way of writing. If you're not familiar with him, uh, in this book, "Tale of Three Kings," basically, there's two parts. The first part is a story of David um, and King Saul when David is a young man serving under King Saul, and the incredible pain that is dished out in the life of David uh, through Saul. Um and Saul is this wicked king and just 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 awful in so many ways to David because he's jealous of David and he knows ultimately that David's going to become king and Saul basically runs by the kingdom tries to kill him and the book is really all about David's response to Saul a bad leader that is hurting him or an outside or someone outside of his life that is trying to um, bring him into the circle to to harm him you know it, it would seem like Saul's trying to bring him in to help him at first and ultimately Saul's trying to hurt him. And many of us experience that in life. People bring bring us, they call us in the relationship really to end up hurting us or we're under a leader that is really hurtful to us um, and really how David responded to that. And then the book fast forwards in the second part uh, where where David is then king and Absalom, his son, is under him and then Absalom is doing to him the things that Saul was doing to him. Uh, But it's now reversed. How to respond when you're the leader that's being hurt by someone underneath of you and how David responds. And I always wondered, David is a—he's uh, a—he's a murderer. He's a liar. He's a conspire, He's an adulterer. He's a—he's a bad father. Um, he, he makes so many mistakes as king. Like, why is this guy labeled a man after God's own heart? And as you read through *Tale of Three Kings*, Gene Edwards beautifully just depicts the story of David's life. And you go, "Oh, uh, here's a guy that understood how to how to really be submitted to God, no matter what the circumstances were." That's why God called him that. And so, uh, Gene Edwards. It, Profoundly spoken to me, and I read that book about once a year. Um, Have you read A Tale of Three Kings, Paul?
0: I have, and it's uh, probably going to be on my list of those 31 books, and it's, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, not that this has ever happened to me, you know, but youth pastors occasionally get into a church where, where their pastors don't treat them right. And, uh, and and it's suddenly this you know and I always tell youth workers this too so it's not how it's not how you come in it's how you leave that people will remember and how we treat those above us whether they're good people or bad people you have to be able to you know in honoring the Lord uh, you have to find a way through to to um, you know to work with those who maybe don't treat us so well even in the church which seems to be um, I don't know, diametrically opposed to the way it ought to go, but that's how God is, is you know, doing things in lives. You know, He's, you know, doing things in the church with youth workers who need to come under that understanding and, and help them out.
1: Man, that's so, so true. Uh, so, Gene Edwards, I know you're going to mention Gene Edwards in a little bit, yep. so that we'll, we'll we'll hold off a little more on him, I guess. Uh, give me your third, third type and third book.
0: I'm going to go with um, Seth Godin and The Purple Cow, because I read that, uh, that was probably, that was the first book I'd read of, uh, of Seth Godin's, once again, not a Christian author, he's a businessman, a marketer, but it really speaks to, it spoke to me, I should say, it spoke to me of, of being unique in a space where everybody tries to be the same, you know, he opens up the story, in the book he opens up with the story of that if you were driving down the road and you saw a bunch of cows in a field and uh, they were just all... Your plain old ordinary cows, you wouldn't say anything. It would engage nothing. There would be no conversation about it. But if there was a purple cow in the herd, you would stop. You would take pictures. Uh, you take selfies today. You do all these things. And uh, and really, you know, youth ministry can be very uh, homogenous in a way where you go to any youth ministry and you kind of get the same set and the same thing. And really, what it calls out to do is be unique in your space. You know, there's. 20 churches in your area that have youth ministries and the question you have to ask is how is my group the purple cow how is mine you know and that's not to take anything away from the lord or anything like that but there's things that we can do as youth workers to be unique in our space Um, first of all obviously how we engage with the lord how much of the lord we allow in our youth ministries and how much um you know those kind of things but there's also little things about you know how we build relationships and what kind of events we do and And all those kind of things that there's there's ways for us to be unique in our space to where we become what he calls remarkable, worth talking about. And if you can do that, you can uh, you can reach a few more kids, I think, because kids want what is remarkable and not that which is the same.
1: Man, that's really, really good stuff. Uh, And Seth Godin is brilliant in the way he brings up some of those things. Um, now, we were talking off here a moment ago. You mentioned another Seth Godin book. Let's slip that one in there uh, and, and that was why that one sticks out to you as well.
0: Well, Lynchpin, you know, Lynchpin uh, occurs to me. And it is one of my favorite books of his uh, because it speaks to our calling and our value as workers. You know, many youth workers see themselves, uh, you know, myself included, to where, you know, we see ourselves called by God and to do a great work and— well, sometimes what we don't do is we don't value the craft. We don't value ourselves as being somebody who, uh, who can be that linchpin. You know? you know, a linchpin, I think of like two train cars together, right? And there's that pin that holds two things together. And that if we can see ourselves as valuable linchpins within the church, that we're the, we're the linchpin maybe between the youth ministry and the congregation or the linchpin between the youth ministry and the community, that we just really value our, uh, you know, value our calling. But also value what we do, value our roles and our responsibilities. That they're not just—we're not just youth workers. We're we're linchpins. We're uh, we're connectors uh, to various uh, streams that are that are happening out there that we can um, that we can be of value to. And I think we have to just up our value just a little bit of how we think of ourselves and how we think of our our jobs and our roles and our responsibilities.
1: Man, that's some really really good stuff. Um, so that's how, that's how we cheat on the podcast. We get, you know, we, we say it's going to be a list of six and then we just add extras. It's
0: bonus, baby. It's bonus, exactly. extra value.
1: That's what, that's what ESPN does, right? With their top 10 sports lists every morning. It's like, yeah. uh, they, they give you three that are tied for five. So they're really giving you 12 or 13. That's how they, that's how they cheat, right? That's right, buddy. Uh, uh, <laughs> lessons learned from Chris Berman. That's right. Um, but, uh man it's really good stuff anything by Seth Godin that you get your hands on is, is valuable I read Purple Cow several years ago it was the first thing I read by him and I remember thinking to myself this guy thinks differently I need to, I need to expand that um, really really good stuff um, I'm going to give you another book That's I'm going to give you my next book on my list it's different style than, than Seth Godin um, a book called Gospel Centered Youth Ministry written by Cameron Cole John Nielsen they're actually two of the guys I've already interviewed for the podcast I've listened
0: but, to that podcast uh, in fact episode, he's, he's another Birmingham guy
1: Oh, he is. Yeah, Cam's there. Uh, so episode uh, episode two and episode four. John Nielsen, Cameron Cole, um, and they basically just wrote a book, you know, uh, about youth ministry from a gospel perspective. A, a lot of um, it's kind of a buzzword right now, particularly in the circles I run in. Gospel-centeredness or being gospel-centric. That's a that's a buzzword. Um, and I, I think it I think it potentially can become negative in some regards. Sure. Uh, because it because it becomes just just a buzzword. Um, but I think what Cameron and John have done, and there's actually several contributors to the book. Um, what they've done in that book is really take, okay, what do we believe about the gospel? Like, the, the simple truth that, that Jesus died for sinners, rose from the dead. Like this, this simple but profound, you know, uh, it's a simple truth, but has, has revolutionized the universe in which we live. Um, and it's, it's the redemptive story of God. How do we take this profound theological truth and really just pragmatically apply it to every area of youth ministry? And I think that's way, easy, way easier said than done. And in the book, they've actually done it well. Um, and they literally just okay. How do we take the gospel and apply it to fundraising or parental relationships or how we do a church service or preaching or events or fun like or um, uh, uh, promotions and marketing and social media just and and mission strips like everything you need to know in in student ministry covered in one book in a very succinct pragmatic manner, but with always with always keeping the gospel in mind. And, and in most cases, it may not look different than what you otherwise would have done. But in a, a few cases, you go. Hey, because I want to be more gospel-centered, I may do this thing over here slightly different. And they really do that really well. And so I, I, it's a book I'd recommend, particularly if someone who is newer to student ministry um, or newer to uh, to really doing it on a, on a maybe full-time basis. This is the book that we would encourage. So gospel-centered, youth ministry, Cameron Cole, John Nielsen. And then, of course, I'm plugging my own stuff, episodes well, sure. two and four Absolutely. of this podcast. Show me the next book on your list, Paul. Uh,
0: next book on my list is Nudge. By Leonard Sweet, and I've heard about Leonard Sweet, you know, for my all my adult, you know, ministry life, uh, but I had never read it. I know he came out with Soul Tsunami and and books like that, and I, I don't know why I didn't read them. I just wasn't behind it. But I had a friend of mine who said, "Paul, I'll send you the book if you'll post it on your Facebook page and tell people that you're reading it." I said, "Great, send me the book," and I wound up reading it. And really, what it's about. It's a different uh, view, I would say, of, of how we look at evangelism. That, you know, evangelism, you know, back in the day used to be about four spiritual laws or it used to be about technique or it used to be about, you know, all these various things. Whereas nudge is really just a spirit led kind of attitude. And Leonard Sweet writes like nobody else, man. He just writes off the planet. I'm just like reading it going, I mean, I've literally just highlighted almost the whole book. I'm just going, what does this guy do? What is it? I mean,. And I'm reading going, you know, I know I, it's just hearing it in a different way. He's able to put it in a way that really sparks the brain and how we look at, you know, being led to share Christ with other people and be able to meet needs and be able to do those things, but he goes through the whole gambit of of, uh, of various things about, you know, about the uh, about listening to the Spirit and about uh, you know, all the different facets about being God being a, a multi-sensory God uh, and how we at, react with our world around us that you know, we're just jumping in on what God's already doing, versus we have to start a conversation about Jesus. We're just looking for stuff that Jesus is already doing, and then we engage. You know, based on what we know from Scripture and what we know what the Spirit is doing at that moment. So uh, it's a it's a book for me because I think it's a game changer for how we look at uh, how not only in youth ministry but how individual Christians and believers you know are are sharing the gospel in their everyday life.
1: That's actually um not on my I haven't read it so so it's not on my re- recommended list, uh, but I have. But it's actually on my list of books to read uh, this year, and so it's funny that I, again I didn't know you're going to have that on your list, and so that's that's really cool. Uh, my next book is a book I, I got to preface because I don't always like the way this guy does things, and I don't mean to offend anyone. I'm just being honest. Um, it, it's a book by Ken Ham called Already Gone, um, and, and again I I like a lot of what Ken Ham does, but there's some things he does that don't always rub me quite the right way. Uh, but in his book, Already Gone, I think it's really valuable for youth pastors and, and for parents in particular as well to read um, because he really talks about the, the trends in, in within millennial culture to not believe, not take the Bible, um, to not believe the Bible as being inerrant or authoritative. And and so, he, he you know, obviously, for those of you familiar with Ken Ham, you know, he's. He's a big proponent of the young earth creationist movement. He's a big proponent of apologetics and classical apologetics, and I'm not saying that's bad or wrong. It's it's not necessarily my flavor, and it's not necessarily you know kind of where I spend a lot of time. But this one book, he really talks about the fact that um, you know we often look at kids that go off to college and they lose their faith in college. That's at least I've heard that, or that's kind of a kind of a prominent thought in the minds of a lot of people that you know they go to faith and lo- they go to college and lose their faith. The reality is Ken Ham really makes the case. They actually lose their faith by age 11 or 12. It just doesn't—we don't realize it until age 18 or 19. And so by the time that we are often trying to fix the problem, so to speak, but by the time we're trying to address and remedy this, they're already gone by that point. And so really trying to take an idea, like, how do we really introduce kids to the authority and inerrancy of Scripture earlier in their life so that by the time they get there— They've really embraced the Bible as truth. And then they, they may not necessarily be Christians. They may not believe in Jesus. They may wrestle with their faith, but at least they have a biblical foundation to understand, like, why the Bible is at least worthy of consideration um, as being the the governor of your life rather than being completely dismissed in the college years.
0: Well, there's no question, man. In fact, that's why this semester, man, I'm, I'm working with our teenagers. I have uh, I went ahead and just bought 48 uh, New King James Version Bibles. Uh, every kid's going to get one. They're going to be their house Bible. Uh, I'm shutting off the screens. I'm not putting scriptures on the screen anymore, and they're just going to have to read it with me. They're just going to have to hang with me, um, because I told them the other night. I started a series and I said, "Look, it's either the Bible's either a fairy tale, uh, it's an advice book like you read uh, these magazines, uh, 22 ways to put on your lipstick or whatever you got going on, uh, or it's or it's or it's the inspired word of God." And and the same way we had to make a decision about Jesus, we have to make a decision about what scripture is
1: good, man. That's really great thought. I love that you did that, by the way. I love that you're taking it taking on the screen and giving them Bibles in their hand. I love it.
0: Well, they're not going to have a choice, so they can either they can check out for the semester and go, hey, I'll see you in the fall, I'll see you in the spring or whatever, whatever you want to do, but we're going to really double down on this Scripture thing because it's vitally important. It's uh, Once again, back to long-term disciple-making. You can't do it without the Bible. You can't live for Christ without the Bible. you got to have it, man.
1: That's awesome. Uh, give us the next book on your list here.
0: Next on my list is uh, Messy Spirituality by Mike Iaconelli. Mike Iaconelli was a uh, was the uh, president of uh, Youth Specialties for a long time. Uh, you know, he passed away uh, several years ago. Uh, but I had the honor and the privilege of being at many of his uh, many of his keynotes uh, at Youth Specialties. And the guy was just unique. The guy just he loved Jesus. He oozed Jesus, and he had uh, you know this perspective about discipleship and that how often we beat ourselves up uh, in life that we're just terrible people all the time. We're terrible, we're terrible Christians, we're terrible uh, at everything, we're terrible prayers and terrible Bible readers. And what messy spirituality does is it says, look, it's not that clean cut, it's not, uh, you know, uh, they say the the straightest line, you know, uh, is A to B, right? But unfortunately, many of the people we read in Scripture, their lives don't look like that. Their lives don't look like A to B. It's not a straight line. It's a lot of ups, a lot of downs, uh, a lot of problems, a lot of issues. And I think what Mike says is, look, you just got to get over yourself. You're not going to get it all correct. You're not going to, it's not going to be perfect. And so get over this perfectionism mentality about your your walk with Jesus and just start following Jesus and see where it goes and and trust in the grace of God and trust in, in those things that God has provided for you, you know, in your walk with him. You know, yeah, you blow it. Yeah, you make mistakes. All these things, but man, keep going forward. Don't uh, don't stop just because you can't perfect it. You know, and so I think that's what Mike brings to the table in this book is to look at our lives once again. It's a soul book that says, "Look, we got to get our perspective right about God, about ourselves, and about our journey."
1: Man, that's really great stuff. And Mike Ackenelli was, I mean, uh, a legend in the youth ministry world for many, many years. Huge impact on the lives of a lot of people. Got
0: to watch the videos, man. If you just 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 look at them on YouTube and listen to his talks there. They're just epic. They're just like he's just. He says things that you know everybody really needs to hear, uh, but many people are not willing to say. And he says them so well and so eloquently, and and it's all there in the book. So, uh,
1: my next book. Um, would be Shepherd Leader by a guy named Tim Whitmer. He is a uh, Presbyterian pastor, senior pastor in the western suburbs of Philadelphia. He's also a professor at Westminster. Not a guy that you would necessarily expect to be on a youth ministry list necessarily. Um, Shepherd Leader, though, really simple book, and he really talks about what does it really mean to lead people as a shepherd. Um, He really makes the case that modern American pastoring has really gotten away from being a shepherd, like the word pastor literally means to shepherd, and and you know, like a a sheep or someone with sheep, feeding them, training them, like guiding them, making sure they are in the right spot to be protected and well fed. Um, that is ultimately what we are called to do. Whether you're a full time youth pastor or not, if you're a young life leader, small group leader, whatever, like all of us are believers, are all of us have, of believe, as believers are called to shepherd people that are younger than us that are alongside of us on the journey like, all of us are called to do that no matter what your vocation is um, but especially if you are a, a vocational minister of any kind uh, being a shepherd first and foremost above being a CEO Like you're not the CEO of your youth ministry uh, you are the shepherd you're the chief shepherd and be a shepherd leader Tim, Tim Whitmer really talks about the heart of being a shepherd leader and things that we can do to be better at that so that's one of my highly recommended books, Shepherd Leader Tim Whitmer
0: well, it sounds like a good book to me. I mean, I mean, I think we've lost some of that for the sake of. I mean, we want to be high tech shepherds and we want to be, uh, you know, growth shepherds. You know, but sometimes shepherding doesn't look like that. Sometimes shepherding is just shepherding and it's just hanging out with stinky sheep and and leading them to uh, greener pastures.
1: Yeah, I and mean, <laughs> I stinky sheep is a good. That's a good way to describe it. Uh, la- so, la- last book, the sixth book on your list. Give us, Paul, that every, every youth worker, youth minister ought to, ought to be reading.
0: Well, here's my Gene Edwards book, and it is uh, Crucified by Christians. And I can remember the story on this was I was, um, uh, if you can believe this, I was actually fired from a church. Let go, as they say. Uh, I say fired because that's what it is. Uh, and the fact is that you know I didn't want to go back to the church. I didn't want to go back to church, youth ministry. And some of that is young naivete of the way I believe things ought to have been. Right. There's a, there's my perception of the way and every every young youth pastor has gone through this where they had that moment. It's like, is this really what it's like? Is, it, is this it? And I probably had that moment. And I said to myself, I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to do it. And so I started working at a Christian camp, the camp I got saved at. And I worked there for about four years and about two and a half years in. Uh, I read a book. It was in the church. It was in the um, uh, counselor's library there. And it was a book. And I said, Crucified by Christians. What is this about? And I looked at it and started to read it, and I started to find the reasons, the the supernatural reasons, the um, the connecting point of my suffering, of why I was going through what I was going through, and the connection with Christ, and and the suffering that He went through, you know, was God ordained. It was it was part of the redemption of the world, and and my suffering, you know, albeit some of it uh, maybe you know was you know, self-inflicted in some way, but even in that, you know, I was able to connect my suffering with Christ's suffering. I was, you know, uh, and may draw so many parallels and draw so many things from it. I just had to say that, you know, I had to look at myself and like, you know what, everything I've gone through, everything, the way I was treated, all these various things was a part of something, was a part of my own growth, and I didn't even know it. I had to put suffering. As we understand suffering here in the you know the the Western world here we don't suffer the way Christian Syrians suffer we don't suffer the way right, three right. quarters of the rest of the world suffer you know our suffering is very minimal in comparison but when we do suffer you know we suffer at the hands of of many times the religious people of our communities and uh, and so we ha- and so what that was able to do for me was say look even at the hands of good well intentioned well meaning people has a purpose for my life, and I have to connect those things, and I can't, and I and I just said to myself, I said, look, I'm not going to let them define how I go out of this thing, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and hang my head when I know that it had greater purpose in my life, it'd be a shame to waste the experience, and say, well, I just, I got out, and then my whole story is, yeah, I left the church because um, religious people were mean to me, and that was the end, and and God said, "Well, you can't end there." And I just said, "You're right. I can't end it there." And I wound up getting a phone call, getting back into the church, and uh, and been there ever since.
1: Man, that that's a great, great truth. There, there are, and I've had similar experiences, um, and I, I know a lot of guys that have had similar experiences. If if, if you're around humans, they're going to hurt you, and and the ones that love Jesus and claim to love you, you don't expect their, you don't expect them to hurt you. So. You know, the people who don't love Jesus or don't, you know, that that maybe smell like they want to hurt you. You you expect it It doesn't seem to hurt as bad. Um, But when you're but when you when you endure the suffering at the hands of believers, it it has a a unique sting to it. And Gene Edwards, uh, as you said, really does a great job in the book of really kind of explaining that in a way that is very redemptive. And so it's really great to hear kind of that there's been a redemptive element to your story and that Gene Edwards has played a part of that. Yeah. Um, because he's played a part of my redemptive story as well. So really, really cool. Uh, th- that is no doubt, Crucified by Christians, is no doubt better than the book I'm about to mention. No, <laughs> no, uh, no, uh, no, no slight to the guys that, uh, that wrote the book I bu- I'm about to mention because I like them a lot. Uh, but the last book I'm going to mention is a book called Lead Small by Reggie Joyner. And he's got a co-author that escapes me, and I should have written it down, but I didn't. Uh, but uh, Reggie Joyner is the uh, – many are probably familiar with. He's the founder of, of, of the Rethink Group, the Orange Curriculum. Um, leader at the Orange Conference every year. And so uh, Reggie's written a bunch of books uh, similar to John Maxwell in that he's got a lot of content that overlaps from book to book, which is not a bad thing. It's great for some reinforcement. Um, so if you're going to read only one of his books, the one that you have to read is Lead Small. And he really just talks about the importance of of the philosophy of leading small. Like, hey, no matter how many hundreds or thousands you, you might think you want in your group, um, you know, Ultimately, you can only lead a handful. You can only lead a few. He calls it, and he talks about the importance if if you're going to be effective in youth ministry, particularly if you're going to be a you know the the lead pastor, kind of the head of the the, the ministry. The importance of recruiting other adults to take care of a few. And so, if you've got if you've got you know eighty kids and you're under your influence, you really can only handle six to eight per person. Maybe um, you really need twelve to fourteen caring adults to each have their few to make sure they're all covered. And that's how you lead small. So he talks about the philosophy of it, and then he talks about the, the uh, kind of the practical elements of how to implement that, both in children's ministry and in high school ministry. And I think there's been a lot of books out there written on small group ministry. I, I mean, there's a plethora of them out there. But I think Reggie Joyner's take on it is is better than most that I've that I've read, and uh, and I just personally I just personally like Reggie Joyner. I like his communication style. Uh, I like a lot of things he says. So uh, I'm a big fan of that. So lead small by Reggie Joyner. Highly encourage that to all youth ministers, yeah. youth leaders. Hey, you know, so, so we just given 12 books. I would highly encourage everyone to, to investigate, examine these books. If you have to pick between my books or Paul's books, pick Paul's because he's uh, clearly smarter. Pick, than Pick me. all
0: of them. Don't pick. <laughs> don't choose. Put them on the list.
1: Um, I agree. Uh, Paul, I I did notice something and we dialogue this about this a little bit before recording, before I let you go. Um, as I look at your list, there's no books on the list that are particularly designed for youth ministry or youth ministers in particular, or specifically speaking. Um, why is that? Well, for
0: me, and, and it's not that I don't read youth ministry books and I just, I'm super choosy about them. I think a lot of it has to do with, um, I think it has a lot to do with the way books are marketed and the way books are written. By the time a, a book, any book, and here's why I know this is because I just, I just finished writing a book with, uh, with a friend of mine, Ke- uh, um, John, uh, let's just, <laughs> you can edit this part out too, by the way, uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Ryan Latham. And, uh, and so we just finished a book called, uh, prepared for impact, which talks about the planning process of, of youth ministry. Now, but that's taken me two years to write. Now, what a lot of youth workers do, they'll write a book, and as we've seen in the past, they'll write about a specific program or dynamic or something like that that youth pastors will gravitate towards and say, oh, that'll work. The only problem with that is is—is if your church isn't that model, you're going to struggle with implementation. You're going to look at it and say, how is this going to work in my church? And nine times out of ten, it doesn't. Unless you're, you know, that, that book, that youth ministry book, was written within a certain culture, with certain demographics, with certain leadership. And if it's, if it's not uh, transferable, you know, you're going to find yourself in a pickle there as a youth worker because you're going to find yourself then at odds with what the culture of your church is. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. It just means that it took two years to write, that whatever, and, and who knows, that church may have moved on from that particular model. We don't know. But it takes about a year or two to write the book, and by the time it gets into the hands of youth workers, either, it's, either the, the phase is passed or the, you get the book and you can't make it work within the context of your own church. And so I don't make a long list of youth ministry books because I am what uh, Gary Vaynerchuk calls a counterpuncher. Um, I have to react and respond in real time in what my church is doing. Versus what I think somebody who's not in my church thinks my church ought to be doing, and so I have to I have to roll with my church and say, okay, what are we doing? How do I respond to that? And a book isn't going to tell me how to do that. I have to do this in real time. I can read a book and borrow from it and and see if it if it jibes with my congregation and with the the culture that I'm in. Uh, but if it you know I could read 20 books on on youth ministry and they could all have a different point of view. Uh, I think for me. Uh, I don't. I don't put a ton of those books on the list because I think the the important things is skill building, and soul work. If you're reading books on improving your personal skills, you can counterpunch within your own community, and then you can also take care of your soul uh, so that you can you know take the uh, the heat uh, when it's time to implement something that you feel very strongly about.
1: Man, that's really really great thoughts, Paul. And just the idea that hey, if you develop yourself, that, that's going to stick with you. Um, and I, I love the point you just made, and I've been guilty of this too. You go to a conference, you read a book, and you go, "Oh, that's that's the silver bullet." You go to implement it, and you look back and go, "What was I thinking? That, that wasn't my context at all. Yeah. It doesn't work here." Um, what works for Rick Warren and Doug Fields in Saddleback, California, may not work for me in Orlando, Florida. Right. And it, it doesn't mean what they've done is what they've said is bad. It just may or may not apply to me. And and you're right. It is better to hone your own craft a, as much as possible. You know, when, when you when you're choosing what books you're going to be reading, that's some really really great stuff, Paul. Man, we've gone way uh, over time. Thank you so much. Uh, not just giving your list of books, but some some of the commentary you've given here, some of the kind of little mini wisdom bombs you <laughs> dropped. I think are going to be very valuable. I want to highly encourage every person listening to this to really consider the thoughts that Paul's given us. hey uh, before we let you go, you know, if there anyone wants to connect with you online. I do want to follow you. What's the best place for them to do that?
0: Oh wow, uh, they can connect with me anywhere. I mean, they, I mean uh, at, at paulturner Paul Turner Two T O O on Twitter. Uh, they can catch me on you know at the at the website where they can find me everywhere. I mean, they can find me on YouTube at youtube.com/jedi for hire which by the way when i started that channel i had no idea what it was going to be i just thought jedi for hire was a very cool name and i thought yes that's what i am i'm a jedi for hire so and it turned into a youth ministry thing so if that if that seems weird that's why uh, but yeah they can they can they can go to the website at the and they can connect with me from all kinds of places there
1: And there you have it, my interview with Mr. Paul Turner, youth pastor slash blogger slash content resource producer slash all around great guy slash Alabama Crimson Tide fan Um, all of the above Uh, Paul Turner thank you so much for joining us I really love some of his thoughts some of his commentary and there's no doubt that the list of books he provided are books that I believe every person listening to this ought to put on your list and read in the very near future if possible hope that was valuable and encouraging if you want to easily find the books we mentioned head over to our website and look at the show notes for this episode so it's studentministrypodcast.com look at the show notes for episode 11, we'll have all of the books listed there with easy links. Just click on one of the links or the title, that'll take you right over to the Amazon page where you can easily find a copy of those books. Also in the show notes, we'll have all of Paul's information, his social media and contact info, his blog and website. You can check him out. I would highly encourage you check out what he's doing over at The Disciple Project. Again, you can find all of that info in the show notes at our website at studentministrypodcast.com. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. If you have a question or a topic or an idea for an episode that you'd like me to tackle, feel free to shoot me an email. The address is heyortiz at studentministrypodcast.com. Again, that's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at studentministrypodcast.com. Also, if you'd like to be interviewed or if you know someone you think would make a great interview guest, I'd also love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email to the same address. If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best place to do that is on Twitter. You can find me at Kenneth Ortiz, K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. I I love tweeting. I'm kind of a tweetaholic, so please feel free to connect with me there. Our intro and outro theme music for this podcast has been Actionable by Ben Sound. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been the Student Ministry Podcast.